Hello, everyone. Welcome to the return of the Green Pole podcast with me, Dan Crawford, the editor of Hammy End. I am coming to you from Old Trafford this evening, uh, 20 days since Fulham's fantastic season came to an end. We're here for the Football Supporters Association AGM and the Fans Europe European Congress. But I have an international flavour to this podcast. I'm delighted to be joined as ever uh, by, I guess he'd be a regular on the podcast if he ever made himself regularly available for selection. Coming to us from his DC townhouse with uh, Fulham memorabilia on the walls, it's Max Cohen. Hello, Max. How are you? Good afternoon, my friend. Great to be here, Dan. Nothing I love better than being on the podcast with you. And I think we have another very special guest to introduce, which I oh, frozen teeing it up like that. <laughs> yes, I'm delighted to uh welcome my good friend from Cottage Talk, Cottage's Confidential, and many other um Fulham related uh escapades. Russ Goldman, a debut on the Green Pole podcast. For you, Russ. I'm assuming you're coming to us from Massachusetts. You may correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, how are you, Russ? And welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, I am talking to you from Walpole, Massachusetts, about 10 minutes from Gillette Stadium, where the New England Revolution... See how I led with the New England Revolution instead of the New England Patriots? They're mad. Yeah, really Thank you, Russ. With the New England Revolution. To the Patriots, but okay, yeah. <laughs> But yes, I am doing it out of my home and I look forward to talking Fulham. I've been dying to talk some Fulham. I actually did a show a couple of days ago, but I've been looking forward to this all day. So let's get to it, Dan. All right. Okay. It's almost like he's in control, Matt. So the first thing we do with someone who's new to the to the show is ask them how they became a Fulham fan. And Russ, how did you decide to support the only team in Fulham? Well, as I like to tell the story, Dan, you know this very well, Max knows as well, that uh, I was looking for a club to follow. I, I will admit that I did look at another club, another club that's actually in form, and that didn't take, thankfully, a couple of other clubs as well. Basically, I'm going to be honest with you, here in America, those were the clubs that were on, were on TV. So I was looking at them. But thankfully, I was listening to a show on Sirius XM radio that was basically saying, don't just follow the big clubs, find a club that suits you. And when I was listening to that, it just so happened that Quint Dempsey was moving from the New England revolution to Fulham. So I thought I would uh, check out Fulham and I looked at Fulham a little bit, his first season, but really the second season with the great escape season is where I threw myself into it and loved every minute of it, learned what a full-on relegation battle and that great escape is all about. And that really was what made me become a foam supporter was that season going through that scary part that we call the great escape. And I just wanted to know more and more about foam from that point on that season really just did it for me. I actually contacted you, Dan, probably about a year or two later and really wanted to pick your brain, wanted to know more about Fulham's history. And you were basically just a, a great teacher. So I am fortunate to call myself a Fulham supporter. I always call myself a Fulham supporter. I do live here in the U.S., full America, as we do talk about it. But I see myself as a Fulham supporter first 
And uh, I just, uh, I love the club and uh, I look forward to, every time I talk about Fulmer, it's a blessing for me. That's so lovely. I mean, we should mention we're taking it. It's a very special day for you, isn't it, Russ? I believe it is. It's your twenty third wedding anniversary, and you've chosen it to spend at least half an hour of it talking Fulham with me and Max. And so we do need to praise Stephanie and indeed the rest of your family for putting up with you for this long. Um, and we'll return you. Well, to they have to put up with me for other reasons too, Dan. Well, I'm, I'm aware of that, and we'll return them to you. Uh, shortly. Um, so, Max, we've we've already heard your um, Fulham story, and obviously um, you have some links with with, with London, and indeed you uh, share that link with uh, Russ and Clint Dempsey. Um, can you tell us, tell tell our listeners who might be a little bit new to um, the two of you, um, how it is that the three of us end up spending so much time together? Yeah, happy to. So, yeah, of course, I lived in London with my family from 2010 to 2013. So the glory years, I like to think of them. But, you know, the Mark Hughes era, the Martin Still your fault, Ross getting relegated, mate. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, but so the, then I moved right back to the States in summer 2013. Of course, that was the Martin Yol, Renan Mielenstein, Felix McGat relegation season. So as, you know, a 14-year-old kid in America, I was like, this is all my fault. I moved back to the U.S. and suddenly everything goes terribly with Fulham. So I was very distraught about it. But I wanted to keep in touch with the Fulham community. And I started looking around for what ways I could do that. As you know, Dan, I love journalism. I love writing. And I started writing for Cottagers Confidential, the SB Nation Fulham blog, which now is, you know, it's not really, it's defunct pretty much. The only thing we do is post college talk on it, but that's a story for another day. Um, and through me writing for that website, Russ had reached out to some of the other writers and said, let's have a writer's roundtable. Let's have a special edition show. And that's when it all started. Uh, and I, I like to think I made a good impression on Russ and he invited me to be on some other shows. And then when I first went to university, I remember freshman year, Russ uh, messaged me and said, hey, do you want to come on a post-match show with me and Giannis one day? And I was like, oh, wow, this is like the big league. Let's go. Uh, and then and then I started doing some preview shows. You know, you were on that a bunch, Dan, uh, kind of the Friday before the Saturday match when we were in the championship that year. And that was actually the Slavisia Kanovic 26 undefeated, all that great stuff here. So a lot of good memories. And of course, Dan runs the tremendous, the best Fulham website out there. It's handman.com. And I've been lucky enough to write some stories for them over the years. And, you know, Dan and Russ also have, go way back with Cottage Talk, as Russ always says. He's he speaks very highly of Dan. He says, listen, in many ways, you saved College Talk. Um, Absolutely. And one of the original co-hosts moved away. So a lot, lot of legends on this call right now. Not about that, but the check's in the post, Max, all right? <laughs> um, right. So th- those are the introductions. And uh, I would say, you know, uh, there are many American followers of Fulham Football Club. And uh, I-, I like to think of them as Fulham fans first and Americans second. Apologies if that offends uh Anybody who's listening to this, but you're all Fulham fans because there was a time when there weren't even 3,000 Fulham fans in the London Borough of Hampshire Fulham. So, you know, we're great. Every little helps as a, as a supermarket in this country um, is, their, is their tagline. Um, so we're very grateful. And, and let's move on, given that we've taken more of your wedding anniversary away from you, uh, Mr. Goldman. Um, move on to... Well, the period that we call on, I mean, the silly season, because, um, well, it is. There is no other 
way of describing this. So in the summer months between the end of the football season and the start of the new football season, we used to get uh, very excited about Tim Henman making the second week of Wimbledon, a little bit of cricket, maybe a bit of the Tour de France, you know, maybe a bit of, uh, you know, eating ice cream, potentially England usually failed in major tournaments. So the newspapers had to make up some stuff to put in them. And that was mainly transfer rumours. And they've carried on this tradition this year with some outlandish stuff. So, Max, I'm going to start with you. How much would it cost to, for, for a club to uh, to get hold of Jao Palina in this window? Because a senior Fulham source, and I very much doubt that there was a senior Fulham source for the Daily Mail, said £90 million. And I wondered if they'd left the zero. Oh, I mean, this is ridiculous. Isn't it? I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I have a couple of opinions on this. I think 90 million for me, I don't think Paulina's worth that much. I think I'm just. Oh, hang on a minute. We're trying, to, we're trying to up his value. Don't, don't be right. Russ, take over from him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right, no, I mean, come on. Let, let's be honest. I think he's a very, very, very good footballer. He deserves to, not deserves, I think he could easily play Champions League. Europa League maybe is more his style. He had a great first season, um, but he has discipline issues, which I think big clubs should be aware of. I think an accurate price for us, if some club came in with 65 to 70, I think that's more accurate for how much he's worth. That being said... The point of the valuation, we, though... We, Mike, we, have a, the... we have a contract with him. Yeah. A, a team does have to come in with a massive bid, and he's not going to West Ham. There's no way João Paulinho would say, I had a great first year in, in, in England... My club finished 10th. Oh, let me move to the club who finished, I don't even know where West Ham, 15th, 16th, move to a club who was in a relegation battle for three quarters of the season. Why would he do that? That makes no sense for his, yes, in the Europa League. Come on. You know, the, the, that's that's not enough for me, for Paulina to move. It's just promise Europa League. I, I think he's going nowhere this summer. But then there was that link to Barcelona. I don't know how realistic that is or not. I doubt it's realistic. But we do have to be realistic as Fulham fans. If I'm Jao Palinha and Barcelona, one of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest club in the world, comes in for me, my head's turned and I want to go. But that is the only situation I can see him leaving if, if a truly, truly elite team comes in for him. He's not just going to go to Europa League team, in my opinion. He wouldn't leave Fulham for that. Well, so a couple of things. Um, well, Palinha's played Champions League football for Sporting Lisbon. He may not have played a sporting club for Portugal, as, as the Portuguese listeners always uh, correct me, my uh, anglicisation of their names. Um, he's played in more Europa League matches than Declan Rice, and that's where the £90 million comes in. If West Ham are asking for more than £100 million for Declan Rice, then, you know, that's that's where this... But this whole valuation business is, a, is, a fix, is fictitious. Let's begin with the fact that um, a, a radio station that couldn't even spell his surname invented the fact that he had a release clause, which he doesn't have. Well, thank you, Tony Khan, for, for putting that one straight in the way that only Tony Khan can. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I just think for, for all my life, Fulham have been a selling club. I'm sat here in Manchester. Three of our best players went to Manchester for Manchester United for, uh, you know, a pittance, basically, minimal amount of their value. And Fulham have made very clear he's not leaving for a, for a, he's not leaving this summer, probably not leaving next summer. There's a six year contract with the guy and he's 28 years old and he likes being in London 
and he's playing for a good team and he's playing for Marco Silva. So, you know, end of discussion. Uh, Russ, I know you will have some opinions about João Paulinho, so share them with us, please. Okay, first of all, Dan, I just want to thank you for writing what you wrote about this whole silly thing with João Paulinho, which I thought was tremendous. And I'm glad that you called out that radio station because and I'm glad that Tony Khan stepped in to call it out and they still wouldn't let it go, which I find very funny that they're continued after the fact to claim that he actually had a clause in his contract. And then again, you, you got Tony Khan, he would know, right? So I'm glad that you wrote what you wrote and we called this out and that Tony Khan chimed in on this. But in regards to what Max said about the value, his value to Fulham is higher than 90 million. I would say it's not negotiable. That to me, I don't see him as a player that you can actually replace. Can you get someone to do some of the things that he does? Yes. But I look at it this way. His value to Fulham is much higher than 90 million. And if Fulham really want to do what I want them to do, Dan, you said Fulham are a selling club. I want them to get rid of becoming a selling club and be a building club. To be a building club, you can't sell Jao Polina. You need to be adding, not letting a player of this caliber go. You need to find the next Paulina. That's what I want Fulham to do. Now, obviously, you have to be able to bring in contracts that will help you find the next Paulina with financial fair play. But they should be looking to build, not to replace. So for me, it's a non-starter. He's on a long-term contract. As long as Marco is with Fulham Football Club, I believe that Paulina will be. I think that's key. The West Ham thing, I think, is a joke. I'm going to say it right now. Because why would he want to move to a club, as Max said, like them, nothing against them, but Fulham have proven what they are doing and they have the manager. And I'm, I don't see that being a realistic place for him. The Barcelona thing did scare me a little bit, Max. I'm not going to lie to you. But beyond a Barcelona, a Real Madrid, he should be a Fulham player. End of story. They don't need to sell him, guys. That's the way I'm looking at it. Unless he is forcing his way out, Jao Polina will be a Fulham player. And he's not forcing his way out. He wants to stay at Fulham. He wants to continue to grow at Fulham. I think if Fulham can't progress exponentially forward, then I think there may be a situation where players leave. Just on the Barcelona thing, it was reported in uh, AS and in Marco and in various uh, Spanish uh, outlets that Barcelona were interested in Jao Polina, but they were only willing to offer 40 million euros plus three players uh, because Barcelona don't have any money and they're about to be sanctioned again by the Spanish uh, authorities for breaching the rules in a very sort of Manchester City uh, fashion. Um, so Matt Barcelona can't afford Jao Polina, so you can take that one off the table right away. And if I was full of I'd say, well, if you want us to... Uh, to part with Jao Polina, you know, give us your starting centre-back, your starting central midfielder and uh, some bloke who can put it in the goal up top, you know, and that'll be the end of the negotiations, such as there are any. But the point is, agents uh, power these rumours. So let's move on to the second one. Well, in fact, Russ mentioned that he felt that as long as Marco Silva is at Fulham, then Jao Polina will be a Fulham player. 
And this weekend, we've seen uh, some feverish speculation about Marco Silva. He was going to go to El Halal and team up with Ruben Neves. And just within the last hour or so, I think the Sunday Times, well, it, it's not been published yet, but the Sunday Times will carry it tomorrow. And it was hinted at in the sun yesterday. Marco Silva has given short shrift to that uh, proposal. He won't be uh, taking the Saudi money, uh, which is very impressive from a moral standpoint, if we believe that any of these people have any morals. Um, <laughs> there's that. Um, but there's also that he wants to... He's looking forward to a full season in charge of Fulham Football Club. The big thing with Marco Silva, obviously, is he's waiting to see what sort of squad he's got by the end of the transfer window before he puts pen to paper on a new deal. Um, and Russ, let's start with you on Marco yep. Silva. I think we're all of the same mind that that's the most crucial signing um, of of the year for Fulham is making sure that Marco Silva remains Fulham's manager for some time to come, no? Absolutely, Dan. And uh, if I'm Tony and Shahid Khan, I'm pulling out all the stops to get him to sign a new deal now. And I think what's going on right now is what I think you've already laid out. I think Marco is waiting to see what form bring him, you know, how they're going to invest in the club, players coming in. And I think what happened last summer might be a factor of what's happening right now. I think he's sitting back and waiting. Unfortunately for Fulham, I think that they're in a catch-22 situation because if you're a player that wants to come to Fulham, you're also going to want to know that the manager's going to be there, not just this season coming up, but a long-term situation. I think he has that kind of pull, that kind of reputation now. I think he's built that up. So if you are a player thinking about coming to Fulham, you're going to want to know that Marco's going to be here. So it's really a difficult situation for Fulham right now because I agree with you, Dan. I think he's sitting back waiting, and I'm going to put it on the cons to to up their game, to try to convince him to sign a new deal, give him what he wants, show him the money, do a little Cuba Gooding and show him the money, not just for him, but proof to him that they're going to invest in the club, that they're going to back him. And because the longer he waits, I think the harder it gets, Dan. That's my opinion on this. I think they need to get get a deal done sooner than later, not wait until the end. He might be holding – he holds all the cards right now, honestly. But I hope that that the cons are putting out all the stops to try to convince him to do it now rather than wait. Yeah, I thought we were going to get a bit of uh, Jerry Maguire there from you, Russ, for a moment. And maybe Max will provide it. Max, what do you think uh, uh, in respect to this? I mean, it's one of those ones. We seem to go through this regularly with Fulham managers sort of waiting to see what they might be getting. Like, like they're waiting for the Christmas presents to appear from <laughs> under the tree or something. I mean, it's not a new phenomenon, is it? No, there always seems to be drama with the managers. And I think so much of that has to do with the transfer policy too, right? Like you're talking about managers want to be backed in the window. And I think last summer, I think Marco was back, but there was definitely frustration and he was public that the squad was incredibly thin. And this summer is so crucial. I mean, it's the first summer since 2012 where we stayed in the Premier League. I mean, that's an amazing statement to make that's been and this is why it's so crucial because of course towards the end of the Al tenure he gave up on putting any money into the club essentially 
And that was our issue with the relegation 2013-14, right? Was it was an aging squad. It hadn't been replenished because there's no investment. Obviously, the cons are investing. No one's faulting that. But there has to be intent in the window, I think. But I think Silva's also being a bit of a, a prima donna, but all managers are in some way. I mean, I think he should commit his future, as Russ said, sooner rather than later. Because you're right, it goes hand in hand. If, if players know the manager is nailed down at the club, they're more likely to join. And as you said, Dan, he's waiting to see what squad he has at the end of the window. Well, the best way to do that, if you want a good squad, is to commit your future, and then the money will come. So that's just my take. I don't know. I, I think you know Spurs' job obviously got filled. Um, he's not going to Saudi Arabia, as you mentioned. I don't see another managerial position that makes sense for Silva at the moment. That could change, but I think he should he should just commit his future to Fulham because it's a great match. And he has something to prove, guys. I mean, come on. He's a manager who was seen in England before he had success with Fulham, honestly. It's kind of like a one-season wonder. And there was that kind of second-year slump. And his head got turned to Watford, and you know things went poorly at Everton. He needs to prove himself in the Premier League. What better than committing his future to Fulham? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I was going to move on to talk quickly about Jedi and... Um... Newcastle United, but we, I want to get to one other topic before we close. All, all I will say is there was a report in the substandard, as we call it, that um, Anthony Robinson had refused to sign a new contract with Fulham and therefore he had a year left. And we put down a £35 million valuation for Anthony Robinson. I'm given to, I'm told by someone who should know that all of that is complete nonsense. Um, for one thing, Fulham haven't uh, discussed a new contract with Anthony Robinson because uh, he's been in international action uh, and congratulations to the United States on, on winning winning the CONCACAF Nations League for the second time, uh, I, I do believe. And uh, Massive, just, massive nation. Well, you, are, you are a massive nation, man. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that F- is footballing good. heritage. Football heritage. Uh, less, less of it. Russ was coming in. I, I, I didn't think Mr Goldman wanted to on this topic. I mean, it was Canada were pretty poor in the final, but we should also mention that Luca Della Torre um, was part of that. Yes, uh, he was. US men's national team, someone who uh, had his footballing education, or a lot of it at least, at, at Mosby Park, and um, he's doing really well in Spain. Uh, and he came on for Gio Reyna uh, in the final and did, did really well in the second half. Um, so we'll leave the silly season there, but we can return to it in in, in future episodes. I, I did want to touch before we finish, guys, on the Premier League Summer Series in the United States, which I know um, many Fulham fans are travelling to the United States to to, to watch these uh, fixtures. There are three fixtures. Let's see if I can get this right. This is a real test of my um, Anglo-Americanism. Uh, Fulham begin their their PL Summer Series programme against a horrible lot from Hounslow at the Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, which is the home of the Philadelphia Eagles. Then on Wednesday, the 26th of July, they take on Aston Villa at Explorers Stadium in Orlando, which is the home of Orlando City. And they finish their campaign against the sanctioned side in SW6 at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, which is the home of the Washington Commanders. Max, how did I do? Did I get Perfect. that right? Perfect. 
And you even yeah. got you even got the new name of, of the American football team from Yeah, Disney. I wasn't gonna get that wrong. Amazing. Come on now. <laughs> um, yeah, well done. Ten out of ten. Top marks. Thank you. Uh, right over to you, Russ. How excited are you about the Premier League Summer Series, and are you going to any of it? I'm very excited, and uh, I'm glad that they brought this series to America in the form of being a part of it because initially, and Max can back me on this, they were looking at Leeds United to be the team, and uh, obviously... That that didn't work out too well. That didn't work out too well, so then Fulham came in, and I believe that Fulham should have been nailed into this series way before that, but whatever, Fulham are now part of the summer series. I'm excited. The last time I saw Fulham in America, the only time I seen Fulham in America was actually in Jacksonville when I went to a friendly there against DC United of all clubs. I was there for that. That was great. But I'm looking forward to this. I am going to drive down from Boston to Philadelphia, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm bringing my family. They are coming with me to um, experience the Fulham experience their first time. So I'm really excited for this. It doesn't happen that often, and I'm glad that Fulham are part of this. It's a big deal for me. Yeah, Max, it's almost like they listen to Cottage Talk uh, and the Green Pole because we talked about this on your pre- on one of your previous performances on, on this program, and uh, and it's come to fruition. So, Max, I know you're going to two of the matches. Is that right? And that I'm is looking forward to it, my friend. Yeah, it's amazing. I think you know I'm going to DC, or the the Maryland one in at FedEx, and the one in Philadelphia. You know. I've really been more involved with the Fulham DC fan group uh, this spring, and people are just so excited. And we're hearing yeah, can from you tell all us a little America. bit about the Fulham in DC fan group, fan community. Yeah, it's it's a great group of people. We have some uh, London locals who now live in DC for work. We have people just who moved across the country to DC for work who are American who are Fulham supporters, and we have locals like myself uh, who are also Fulham fans. And we meet um, at across the pond, which is a a soccer bar in Northwest DC in DuPont Circle. And it's a great turnout. We get like 15 to 20 people each week to the point where there are a bunch of scarves in this bar and they took down one of the Tottenham scarves to put up a Fulham in DC scarf. Oh, we love to see it. We had supplanted them. Wow. You know, we actually bring numbers each week and that's amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, people are excited and I think it's going to be a real summer of celebration for the Fulham community. It, it, this doesn't happen very often for us. As Russ mentioned, the last one was Jacksonville. That was a decade ago. And that wasn't nearly as much expected as the summer series. So the branding is going to be great. And I think it really has the potential to spark a new generation of Fulham fans. And that's the best thing for the club, right? Is yes, you get your Darhad fans like me and Russ and other existing Fulham fans to come to the game. There's also the chance you have a curious you know, family, a curious kid from any of these areas who happen to watch the match. And suddenly they become a Fulham fan for life, expanding our global footprint. And and we all want that uh, to get Fulham as big as possible. So I'm just delighted. I think, uh, you know, Russ has been talking about some plans uh, with, with another Fulham podcast uh, to do a live show before one of the, uh, the, the matches. So stay tuned. If anyone's coming, let us know. We'd love to hang out and say hi. Yeah, um, so cool. let's, um, let, let, let's do that right now, lads. Um, drop your socials. How can uh, people get in touch with you? On Twitter, Max, you're fairly prolific, but um, <laughs> that's a work-related thing now. I mean, I've seen you. You, you do partake in a bit of hashtag come on you whites from time <laughs> to time, no? Of course, a lot of hashtag banter on there. Um, at Max P. Cohen on Twitter. And I actually got my start on, on Twitter was through the Fulham community. 
And then There's later, I think for Polonia. <laughs> Pascal. Pascal. I mean, well, very good. Okay. But, but, you know, there could be a deep hole change to, to Polonia, couldn't there? If he becomes a real legend. It depends if he signs another 10 year contract. Yeah. Well, Michelle, so. you, you heard the man. <laughs> Uh, Ross, how can people uh, get in touch with you on the socials? What's your sure. handle, please? They can uh, reach me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman or the podcast Twitter account of Cottage Talk, Simply Cottage Talk. You can definitely reach out to me there. And also, if you want, you can join the Facebook group, Facebook page, I'm sorry, not group page of uh, Cottage Talk. Please do join that and uh, you can send me a message there as well. Yeah, well, just one Goldman on the podcast this evening. Just, just one. Just, just one. one. I, I think it's a good time uh, to leave it and let you get back to, to Stephanie, give my best to Brady and Sam. Um, and uh, we look forward to having you on again soon, Russ. Uh, happy wedding anniversary to you, my friend. Thank you, guys. And thank you, Dan, for saying that. I really appreciate that. And I'm happy to come on again. Yeah, we'll certainly be having you, Max. Always a pleasure, my son. Awesome, awesome show. And, you know, it's not often you have two hosts on one show with Russ and Dan. So for all the listeners out there. Three know, hosts? Come on, man. Well, I'm, a co- I'm a co-host. Let's yeah, yeah, well, you know, hey, guys run the show. co-host with Russ about. <laughs> Come on now. All right. This has been great fun. I hope the uh, the international community enjoys this as much as uh, three of us have in terms of putting it out. So for now, massive thank you to, to Russ and Matt. And as ever, come on, you whites.